You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. The next discussion we'll have in the biography of the Prophet is the Prophet's mercy for those who are weak, the exploited ones in society, the slaves, women, children. And this shows you the humanity of Rasulullah. I will just share with you some snippets of that, just so you can see how the Prophet truly came as a leader to help the poor ones to help the oppressed ones, to help those who were weak and they could not defend themselves. Al-Imam al-Sadiq states, once the Prophet met, met a man from Bani Fahd. He comes from the tribe of Fahd. He was hitting one of his slaves. This man from Bani Fahd was hitting, physically beating one of his slaves. The slave would tell him, A'udhu Billah, I seek refuge in Allah. I seek Allah's protection. He didn't care. He kept hitting him. Then when the slave saw the Prophet he said, A'udhu bi Muhammad. I seek refuge in Muhammad. When the man saw Prophet passing by and his slave mentioned the Prophet's name and he told him, please stop hitting me because of Muhammad, he stopped. The man stopped. What do you think the Prophet said to him? Of course, the Prophet was upset, but what do you see? The Prophet is so creative. The Prophet could have said something and then the guy, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do that anymore. The Prophet said something, he made him free the slave. <laughs> what did the Prophet? The Prophet told him, when he sought refuge in Allah, you didn't care. But now that he told you, right? Because of the Prophet Muhammad, free me, you stop beating me, you stop. The one who seeks refuge in Allah. They have a greater right to be forgiven than the one who's seeking refuge in Muhammad. The man felt so ashamed of that. He said, I free him. My slave, I free him. The Prophet told him, I swear by God, the one who set me as a messenger in truth, had you not freed him right now, Allah would have burned your face in hell. For hitting your slave, and your slave is asking you for Allah's protection and you denied him. I swear, had you not compensated for your sin by freeing the slave, Allah would have burned your face. But now that you freed him, Allah has forgiven you. See how the Prophet would stand up for the slaves in this way. Who cared about slaves in Arabian society? Who cared about them? 
They were like animals in society. Who cares? Here in America, 400 years ago, slaves were treated worse than animals. Just read the history of American slavery and see how the Prophet stood up for those slaves. Isn't he Nabi Rahman? Shouldn't the world know about this? So the, the slaves were the epitome of those who are weak and those who are bullied. The Prophet stood up for them. I'm not going to let you bully these slaves. Okay. Now here's an interesting hadith that initially you might find problematic, but we'll give it a beautiful explanation. So Ibn Sa'd mentions in his tabaqat that the Prophet one day sent one of his maids, he owned a female slave. The Prophet sent her to get something done. She was slow to get it done, meaning she kind of ignored the Prophet. Banishat. Right? What, what was the Prophet's reaction? The Prophet said, according to this hadith, What's siwak in Arabic? Toothbrush. The Prophet said, if it's not, if it weren't for qisas, retribution, meaning if you hit someone, you have to get hit back because of the retribution, right? Qisas. If it weren't for that, I would have caused you pain with my toothbrush. How do you feel about this hadith? The Prophet telling his female slave, when he asked her to get a job done, she was slow in getting it done or she kind of ignored him. So he didn't hit her. But he said, if it weren't for Qasas retribution, I would have hurt you with this toothbrush. He knows that it can't hurt her. So one answer is, look, it's a threat because she is falling short when it comes to her obligations. But come on, like, how do you really hurt someone with a toothbrush? Okay, so that's one, one answer. Another answer, assuming that the hadith is sahih, right? Assuming that the hadith is authentic. The Prophet is teaching all slave owners a lesson. The Prophet is telling them, look, even if your slaves don't listen to you, even if they don't follow through, remember that if you hit them, there's retribution. If you hit your slave, you deserve to be hit. So if in dunya you get away with it, on the day of judgment, Allah, He'll seek revenge from you. So when the Prophet says something like this to his female slave, it sticks in the memory of all Muslims. That look, the Prophet just taught us a lesson here. His slave ignored him. She didn't get the job done. And the Prophet told her that if it weren't for qisas and retribution, I would have hurt you a little bit. He's basically telling Muslims in your society that if you hit your slaves, Allah will seek revenge from you. So he said that to teach others, not really to express his intention to hurt her. Also the Prophet may be disciplining her as well, you know, in the end get the job done. So he's telling other slaves, look, I put a system to get you free, right? Islam slowly advocated for emancipation, for freeing slaves. But in the meantime, don't cause tension with your masters because they might hurt you. Maybe that's also a message that the Prophet was sending them. Does this, does this make, make sense? Okay, any questions on that?
We'll conclude with this before we continue, inshallah, in our next class. Speaking about slaves. In past classes, we've talked about slavery, right? Why didn't Islam immediately abolish slavery? And why is it that sometimes in warfare, the Prophet allowed for some women and children to be enslaved? We talked about that in detail. You can refer to the previous lessons because some people find that difficult to accept, like a woman, a child, why are they enslaved? What was the wisdom behind it? Very briefly, one was to deter the enemy. Don't come and attack uh, you know, Muslim societies. Because if you do, and the Muslims achieve victory, your family could be enslaved. It's a deterrent. And it stopped many tribes from attacking the Prophet and Muslims. Number two, when the, men's would die, when the men would die in the battlefield, the women and children would perish. Who would take care of them? Or they had to resort to maybe corruption to kind of stay alive, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So by enslaving them, that was a practical way to bring them to Muslim society, have God-fearing Muslims, give them protection, and then slowly they would learn, they would become part of society, and then slowly they would be free. And then Islam is also saving them from a shirki, paganistic community, and bringing them to a, a society with believers. So that was a transition for them to also be saved from a corrupt environment. In any case, we've talked about this before. So basically, Ibn Hisham narrates in his seerah that in one of the expeditions, see the enemies, they would launch an attack against Muslims. So the Prophet would send expeditions to stop them. The Prophet sent Zayd ibn Haratha in an expedition. So the Prophet, when he sent this expedition, he told him to go to Median. Median is the city of Prophet Shu'ayb. And basically it's by Tabuk. Fatima bint al-Hussein. Fatima, the daughter of Imam Hussein alayhi salam. She narrates this hadith. She states that when the Prophet sent Zayd ibn al-Haratha towards Madian, with him was a man by the name of Dhumayra. Dhumayra was a servant for Imam Ali alayhi salam. So basically, Dhumayra... When they had prisoners of war there, women and children, Dhumayra, he took one of those captives, one of those children, one of those young boys, he took them as, a, as his slave. Okay. Then they were sold. These children were sold. The Prophet ﷺ heard that they're crying. There, there are some people who are crying. So the Prophet ﷺ asked, what's happening to these captives, the women and the children? Why are they crying? Did someone mistreat them? Did someone hurt them? They told him, Ya Rasulullah, furraqa baynahum. The kids were separated from their moms. So a person comes and buys the mother as a slave, and the child, someone else owns him. So they separated between them. The Prophet said, do not sell them except as one group. Don't separate between a mother and her child. I don't allow for that. See, due to the circumstances of that village that had waged, that had waged war on the Prophet, the Muslims had to enslave them. We talked about the reasons why. But now that they enslaved them, the Prophet says, be humane with them. Don't separate. 
the children from their parents. So that was about that. Also, Dumeira, that man, it has been narrated that basically the Prophet saw a woman crying. He told her, why are you crying? She said, I am crying not because someone harassed me or someone hurt me, but my son is with Dumeira. He took my son and I am separated. So the Prophet told Dumeira, go and replace him with someone else. Give him back to his mother. Don't separate a child from his mother. See the rahmah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa But today, my dear brothers and sisters, what do you find? Today here in America, what happened recently with the immigrants? Those illegal immigrants who came, right? It was discovered that under the Trump administration, over 500 children were separated from their parents. And their parents were sent back, their children were kept here. Until now, until now, American law enforcement officials don't know who their parents are. And they're in miserable condition and the kids were crying so much. This was a huge thing. There was so much pressure on Trump, he had to stop the continuation of that policy. But 1,000 parents were sent back and basically separated from their children. Right now there's about 570 kids here who are separated from their children, from, from their parents. Nobody even knows where their parents are. They cannot trace them un until now. Where the parents go back home? Yeah, to Central America, Honduras, Nicaragua, where they came from. See, they came with their kids trying to cross into, the, to, into America. So they captured them, they arrested them because they're illegal immigrants. Now for the first time, what did they do? See, either you keep them both here or you deport them all. This time, under the Trump administration, what did they do? They deported the parents, they kept the kids in like a concentration camp. These are little kids. How do you do something like that? Their idea is we want to put terror in the hearts of any potential illegal, uh, you know, um, migrants, so they don't think of them. They're Mexican or Spanish? Or some of them Mexican, some of them Central America, like Nicaragua, El Salvador, these Central American uh, countries. See, the Prophet refused that. The Prophet said, no child should be separated from their parent. That's not acceptable in my law. That's rahmah. The Prophet's having rahmah. Even though these villages, they transgressed. They attacked the Prophet. They tried to kill the Muslims. And so the Muslims enslaved those women and children, right? According to 7th century Arabia, they'd either be killed or a, a very other drastic outcome would happen. The Prophet gave them the full, their full rights. They integrated them into Muslim society. And the Prophet said, do not separate between the, the mothers and their children. That's not acceptable. Arabia accepted that, but the Prophet modified that. He says, no. This is the Rahmah of the Prophet.